Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 424. Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 13. Let's read our passage. Now these things took place as examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ as some of them did, and they were destroyed by snakes. And don't grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out, so that you may be able to bear it. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. He had founded the church five years earlier on his second missionary journey while he was in Corinth. And now he's in Ephesus on the third missionary journey. He's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. They've got a lot of problems at the church. And they've sent him a letter. And the big issue in the letter, or at least one of the big issues, seems to be this that Paul has told them they should not go to the pagan temples and participate in the feasts there. And they're challenging his authority to tell them that. They're criticizing his authority as an apostle. So Paul's dealing with that. In chapter 8, he started dealing with the whole idea of going to the pagan temples and participating in the feasts. And he said not to do it. That they need to voluntarily restrict their own freedom for the sake of others because others aren't as sure about the fact that these idols don't represent anything. Then he defended his status as apostle through chapter 9, and part of the criticism was he wasn't accepting support from the church. He said, well, it's right for you to provide me support, but it's also my freedom not to accept that. The reason I do that is so I can't be pressured by anyone to change the way I do things. Now, chapter 10, he's back to the topic of idols. And the whole point there in chapter 9 was that he was defending his authority to tell them, don't go to the temples and participate in these pagan feasts. Now, last time we looked at the first five verses of chapter 10, and he was making the comparison to the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, and that even though they were privileged in their relationship with God, much as the Corinthians were, they were still under God's judgment and responsible to God. That's why almost all of them did not enter the promised land. He'd use the metaphor in chapter 9 to run the race with the intention of winning, but that takes self-control. And his point there, beginning of chapter 10, was they didn't finish the race because they didn't exercise self-control. And I was going to bring some examples of what happened with the Hebrews when they first came out of Egypt. So, 1 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 6. Now, these things took place as examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. 
So these things, that's the failure of the Hebrews to finish the race. It was because of their lack of self-control. Now he's going to talk about their lack of self-control. So these things took place as examples for us. So we'll not desire evil things as they did. This as they did is important because he's making a comparison. Okay, you can learn from their experience. And, and the point of learning is don't do that. Don't do like they did because the desire is that we don't desire the evil things that they did. I was going to describe what those evil things are. Verse 7, don't become idolaters of some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. I think, what is this? This is the golden calf incident at Mount Sinai. And it's kind of interesting how Paul refers to this. So this is from Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, Moses is, is up on Mount Sinai and God says, you better get back down to the camp. There's trouble down there. Well, let's look at Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron replied, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron, took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, made it into the image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There'll be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. That last phrase is what Paul quotes. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. The fact that they made an idol and they worshipped the idol and built an altar for the idol, Paul doesn't mention that. He mentions this idea that they sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. The whole point here is there's idolatry going on. And what Paul mentions is what are the issues going on with the Corinthians. This going to the temple and eating and drinking and partying. So it's curious that that's the part of this that he mentions, not they built an idol and worshipped it, but the idea of participating in the worship event itself, eating and drinking and partying. Now, the word party can mean a lot of things. When uh, Moses was coming down from the mountain, he met Joshua along the way, and Joshua says, sounds like there's a war down there. And it says they hear the sound of singing. And so there's the idea of singing and dancing. Now, a lot of people want to also add the connotation of sexual immorality. And it fits because that same word is used a lot of other places with a, a sexual content to it. The idea of partying, including that sort of thing. A little bit later in Exodus 32, it says that the people were out of control there could be a hint of it's not just eating and drinking and partying, but you know, singing and dancing, but there's also some sexual immorality going on too. And take special notice, that's part of the problem with the Corinthians, is they're going to the pagan temples to eat, drink, and party. 
And verse 8, let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Well, this is looking at Numbers 25, where the people are participating in the pagan worship of the surrounding area. So if we look at Numbers 25, while Israel was staying in the Cassia Grove, people began to prostitute themselves with the women of Moab. The women invited them to the sacrifices for their gods, and the people ate and bowed in worship to their gods. So Israel aligned itself with Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So the issue there is the people of Israel participating in the pagan worship sacrifices of the people of Moab. Then a little later, an Israelite man came bringing a Midianite woman to his relatives in sight of Moses and the whole Israelite community while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he got up from the assembly, took a spear in his hand, followed the Israelite man into the tent, drove it through both the Israelite man and the woman, through her belly. Then the plague on the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. So there was a plague as a result of this immorality and participating in the pagan worship. Now, says 24,000 there in numbers, and Paul says 23,000. And there's a whole lot of ideas about why that is. We're not sure about the, the difference in the number there. But the point being, God's judgment was on the people of Israel when they participated in the pagan worship of the surrounding people. Verse 9. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. Well, the idea of the snakes is from Numbers 21. We look at Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. And they set out from Mount Hor on the way by the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against Moses and God. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. And then people go to Moses, and they uh, make the bronze snake that people look to for relief from the snake bites. But the whole point here was God's judgment on them was to send poisonous snakes among them, and many people died. And what was a problem. They grumbled, they complained about God and Moses. Paul says that's testing Christ to grumble that way. And that could go back to the letter the Corinthians have sent, in which they're grumbling at Paul's instruction to them. They're grumbling against God's instruction, and they're grumbling against Paul that he's given the instruction, don't participate in the pagan worship services. Verse 10, and don't grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Now, he doesn't specifically say what the instance he's referring to there is. Some say it's referring to number 16, where had the unauthorized worship from the sons of Korah, and God's judgment fell on them. And then people complained about that, saying, hey, it was pretty harsh. And then there was a plague that killed 14,700 people. Some say it's 
No, referring to Numbers 14, where the people were grumbling against Moses and God. And that's when God's judgment said, and nobody who's an adult is going to enter the promised land except Joshua and Caleb, because they were the only ones who had been faithful. So both of them were grumbling, and both of them were judgment. You say, well, what was the destroyer in the Numbers 14 area? Well, the destroyer was the entire generation passed away in the wilderness. So the whole point here is these Old Testament examples of the people of Israel who were the privileged people of the world, the favored people of the world, God's people, the community of God's people, yet they were under God's judgment. And so much of it was either because of their grumbling about what God was doing or dabbling in idolatry. And that's what Paul's concerned about with them is they're dabbling in idolatry by going to the pagan temples and participating in the pagan worship feasts. He says in verse 11, these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So the point being, we should learn from what happened with them. And the fact they've been preserved, we have to learn from them. Now this phrase, us on whom the ends of ages have come. Well, this is just a end of times talk, the, the end of ages, a change of ages. A lot of times we use this idea of the already not yet idea of the end, that we live in the present time, but when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of God. That's the inauguration of the kingdom of God, but not fully. And so we're still in the present age, but we're also in the end age, the, the kingdom of God. And this overlap period between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, often referred to that as the end times. So we have the present age that we've got one foot in, the age to come we've got one foot in, and in the middle of that we call this the, the end times. The whole point here is Paul's saying that that's us. We're in that transitional period, but we need to learn from what came before us. Verse 12, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Some people think he's referring here to those who think they're safe because of their baptism and participation in the Lord's Supper, that they have that magical safety net around them because of that. He says, no, nah, you're not safe. You think you stand, be careful you don't fall. Now, verse 13 is a popular verse. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. Now, that stands on its own. But in the context here, what they are up to is the temptation to go and do what they used to do when they were pagans and to think that they're beyond temptation. So Paul's saying you're not beyond temptation, but there's always a way out of whatever temptation you face. So if you're dabbling in idolatry, there is a way out. And the way out is exercising some self-control and looking to the Lord for strength and guidance. So he's using the Old Testament examples 
to warn them of, hey, the people of Israel, they were the privileged, special God favorites at the time. But God still exercised judgment on them. And their biggest problem was dabbling in idolatry. When you guys are going to the pagan temples, you're dabbling in idolatry. Don't do it. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.